Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Social Work Radio. Although I do remember we call it Social Work Video or Social Work TV this week because we are once again back doing a in-person recording. But welcome to this week's episode with me, your host Vince Peart. Once again and always we are joined by our co-host Tilly Baden. Tilly my friend, welcome to this special edition. You're looking forward to this one, you're excited for this one aren't you? I can tell, I can tell when you're excited and titillated. Hello everyone. Yes, I'm really excited about this. It's about an Ask Me Anything questions that we're going to be doing this week. So really excited. Yeah, so listeners, you may remember a couple of months back we had an Ask Me Anything special edition of the show and there were lots of questions you guys had put in and we didn't have the chance to work through all of them. So what we did is we rolled some of the water and we asked people to submit more questions and in this pot here we have got 20 different questions. Now, we might not get a chance to get through all of them, but should we maybe aim for 10? Well, it depends how much you go off on a tangent, Vince. As always, <laughs> as always, it's a wild ride. Who it knows? Is. Who knows what's going to happen? Exactly. So we'll we'll do our best, but let's see where we go. So the way we're going to do this is we're not going to both answer the questions. We're going to put our hands in, we're going to pick, and we are going to ask the other person that question. And I will say there is a caveat. We do hold the right to ask a follow-up question as long as it's related to that, okay? okay. So if I read a question and I don't, I'm not happy, if I'm not happy with your answer you're giving me, I'm going to satisfy the people that have put these in and I'm going to ask it. I'm going to, you know, like a... Like you're in a cross-examination here almost. I feel like I'm in court. Yeah, excellent, there excellent. Um, are you ready to do this? I oh, am. Yeah. Who's Let's, going first? Shall I pick a question first? Oh, like I'm on the spot. I'm not used to this, but <laughs> fire away. Do your worst. Or your best, hopefully. Oh, interesting first question. So, if you could have a superpower to use in your social work practice, what would you want to have and why? Oh, God, this is a very good question. Um, would I only be able to apply that practice specifically in the social work? Or could I have a skill that I could use in the entirety of my life, but also apply it to social work practice? What we're going to go with this one? Because my answers would be different. Okay, let's let's keep it just for social uh, work. That's, that's, a better, that's a better framework for it. So what, what would I find useful in social work? Um, so you've got to kind of... What are the bugbears of social work? That, that's kind of what you've got to identify here. What are the major problems we face? Um, time management's a big problem. That's the first thing that came into my head. Congruence, not always knowing people are telling the truth is a big mm, problem. Not always yep. being able to identify issues, particularly if you're dealing with you know high-end child protection issues. Um, I'd like to type immediately. I would like, quite often think, when I'm typing reports, I often think, I wish I could just have you know you know elon musk looking at this neural link <gasps> yeah, yeah yeah yes that would be amazing although i'd worry i'd worry if i was using the neural link whilst typing reports there'd be lots of swear words would creep in there like thinking <laughs> oh no 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 don't 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 take that out so yeah I, I i reckon i would have a skill that would probably solve one of those um and then like i say if i could only use it for social work it would probably be yeah do you know what probably the latter no, because no, that would be quite a selfish skill. I don't think that would only apply to me. That would be good for my work. I'd probably, for the greater good, I think it would be the ability to read people's minds. Okay. Like um, Professor X. Yeah. So or, like, or Snape, uh, our, our friend Snape. It's, it's, Occupancy. I, I was thinking about this because I was thinking initially, I was thinking um, being able to operate would be useful. That would be very helpful. But... 
I'm not sure if you would class wizarding as a superpower. Because you don't see Harry Potter as he's not really a superhero. He's a wizard. He's got power. You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. He's got powers. But I'm not sure they're superpowers. So that would be mm. it. It would be um, the, the ability to read people's minds. And they'd get to, you'd hear all about their inner thoughts, about what they truly think about you. That could be interesting. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway. I, I dwell on that one too much. Good question. Good question. Right. My turn Your to turn ask to you. me. That's very dramatic. Much, isn't it? <laughs> um, right. Tilly Burton. Has there been a time or period where you've considered leaving social work? If so, what made you stay? Oh, yes, there has. There's been several times, actually. Um, so about three quarters of the way through my ASYE, Assessed and Supported Year in Employment, um, I very almost left social work and I was going to go and be a police officer. Um, I put in my application and I was going through the interview process, but actually I pulled out for, I had loads of stuff going on in my own life. Mm. Um, and I'm so glad I did because I would have been a terrible police officer. <laughs> I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. I don't like following like the rigid hierarchy structures. Um, so I, yeah, although I'd have liked to have been a detective because I think that would be really interesting, but maybe like a Sherlock Holmes detective, not a police officer. Um, so yeah, I almost left social work then. Um, and there have always been days when I've thought about just leaving and mm. going out. And also we talked about in our podcast before, um, when I almost moved to Croatia, I did consider leaving social work and going back to Croatia with my then boyfriend. What made you stay on both occasions then? The first time, it was just the wrong time to be moving careers. And the second time, COVID, mm. luckily. Um, you don't normally say about lucky COVID, no, but it, I mean, no. it stopped me from going and thank goodness it did because he did not turn out to be the best person, as mm. you well know. Mm. Um, so yeah, I almost left social work, but didn't. And I'm so glad I didn't. I wouldn't want to do anything else now. And that's how we all. I think we're going to get through 20 of these. Oh. This is a quick fire round. I said 10. I think we're going to get through all of them. Let's go. Are you just going to do that with all I of like them? I like it. I like it. Well, Off gonna... camera. Bang. <laughs> Oh, this is a good question. What do you think social work practice will look like in a hundred years' time? Oh, God, right. Hundreds are hard time frame. It's hard because a hundred years, so much can change. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot can change in ten years, but less. So read that again, but pretend there's a zero missing. What, so at ten years' time? Oh, no, 100 years' time. It's impossible. It, you, I don't, I genuinely... We could be on Mars. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. 100 okay. years is too far. All right. What do you think social work practice will look like in 10 years' time? Oh, what an interesting question this from one of our <laughs> listeners. You've had like, what a brilliant question you've asked there. Thank thank God you didn't suggest 100 years' time because who would have been able to answer 100 years' time? That's a farcical question. Not that I would say our listeners were ever farcical. Me, I'm the farcical one. Um... Yeah, 10 years, 10 years. So I I think that we are rapidly seeing the integration of technology into social work at a level that we've never seen before. It's always been on the fringes. Mm -hmm. 
there has been pushback when this has happened before in child protection social work. There um, are some local authorities in London that tried to introduce a machine learning algorithmic yeah. approach to child protection triages. So essentially what would happen is a referral would come in, the computer would analyse triggers, and those triggers might be related to poverty, police records, previous history, chronology, parents' um, learning status, parents' criminal history, location, and they would factor that in with data and come out with, you know, some sort of guidance on what threshold should be taken, should there be an assessment, should there be not. For some wild reason, that was dismissed. And I've no idea why that was dismissed, because you're looking at objectivity. Mm-hmm. And that was dismissed at the time. There was a bit of a kickback, but it hasn't gone away. No. It, it hasn't gone away. And as we are getting more used to using machines in order to help us and assist us, I think we're entering an era where we could have a lot of the heavy lifting taken over by technology. Because if you think of what are the things that annoy social workers? Paperwork. Paperwork. Yeah. What can... What can you know, assisted the digital technologies help us do reduce paperwork. Yeah, writing chronology is incredibly annoying. Um, reading entire bundles of evidence and getting out the salient information. It can be taxing to make balanced evidence-based decisions because it's subjective. And yeah. you know, you and I will not name names. You and I have been in many a meetings with professionals, and we know that they're only taking a certain view because they come from a certain background. Of they course. can be biased, they can be overt or covert. A lot of the time, the people that are making these decisions don't even realise they've got that innate bias because you know, I don't blame them. If yeah. somebody comes from a very protective background and they've got very high idealistic goals for their own family, mm-hmm. particularly if you work in my field in child protection, they genuinely believe they're doing the right thing because you'll you'll quite often hear this term thrown about, well, if it wouldn't be good enough for my child, it's not good enough for them. Yeah. All well and good saying that, but okay, tell me about your background. Yeah, you grew up with two parents, you're very settled, you're well off, you know, your partner's got a good job, you've got a lovely house. So yes, you can provide that level of care for your child, but and you lose the notion of good enough. Now good enough is this the notion that you have to apply, and particularly when you get to court proceedings and God forbid the prospect of a child being removed from parents' care permanently, it's nothing else will do. That notion of good enough and nothing else will do is lost at the front door stage. Sometimes those decisions already come in two years later when you've had the resources, the time, the effort of multiple professionals, but most importantly, you had the upheaval of the intrusion into a family's life because of professional fear and bias. I believe we're entering an era where technology can remove that. Now, there will be people push against it, and I understand why. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think we have to use this. And that, that's one of the key changes that I think we'll see in social work over 10 years. With that, I believe what we'll see is, and I can only speak for my field because I've never worked in adults. I've only ever worked in child protection. With my field, what I believe we will see as well is a significant change in how social workers are commissioned. Yep. Right now, you have a lot of social workers that are commissioned directly for local authorities employed on a permanent contract. Mm-hmm. You have social workers that work independently, such as myself. You have individual agency social workers who are employed on a six-month or 12-month contract by an employment agency. And you have social work project teams that go on and they have a managed service. So they'll put in this team of 10 social workers, 20 social workers, and they'll say the local authority will take X number of cases of you and we'll have KPIs to meet. All of those have the benefits. And I don't really believe there's significant drawbacks to any of those. I think the drawbacks are more subjective. Does it work for that person? Does it work for that service? Then across the board, there's no negatives to all of those because everybody's wanting the best for children and everybody's trying to do the best. They've got a slightly different solution. 
what I'll see though is I think you'll see um, a, a lot more um, a lot more market freedom with social workers. Social workers will be more readily able to work on a freelance basis, pick up bits of work here and there and work in that model. There'll be a lot more freedom for social workers. There will be pushback from local authorities. They'll say, we don't want to do that. They'll try and regulate it. They'll try and say, you have to be employed permanent. It simply won't work. People will go elsewhere. People are, if people people have loved the freedom, um, if people in social work love the freedom of being able to work in a certain way, being able to work freelance, being able to work from home, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. You can't have post-COVID where everybody's been able to work from home and work in a more relaxed manner and have a better work-life balance for three years then take that away. Because what's going to happen? If one local authority says, we're not going to do that, your neighbouring local authority will say, well, we are going to do that. What's everyone going to do? They're going to go there. And we know that social workers are short. We know that good social workers are incredibly rare. Good, experienced social workers are rare right now. So I think that's the second key change we'll see. The third key change we'll see in my profession is I believe that social workers in child protection will stop working with families at a low level. There'll be no more child in need uh, cases that are held by social workers at my level. For our American listeners and those further afield who don't use that model, um, here in the UK we have a model that has a tiered approach to child protection. You have early help, which doesn't involve a social worker. You've got child in need, which necessitates those cases are case managed by a social worker, which is kind of early intervention, you know, a child in need of things. Then that's a class under section 17. You've got section 37, which is um, child protection, which is a child that's deemed to be at risk of neglect, physical abuse, emotional abuse, or sexual abuse. And then you've got beyond that, which is care proceedings, where you have to get the courts involved. I think what you'll see is specific child protection teams that only focus on the hard end cases. Personally, I think that's a very good thing. I think social workers should be focused and spread in our times on the families that need us most. It's not to say that I don't believe other families that are on have lower needs don't need a social worker. I just believe that they might be better served by people who aren't social workers, by family support workers, youth workers, project workers, and so on, who potentially have more time but don't need to do the targeted finite work. So those are the key three three things I would see in 10 years' time. Specific child protection focus teams, uh, fragmenting of the marketplace in a good sense that social workers can pick and choose and the model we deliver our service and, you know, uh, commissioned and work changes. And the third one I think we'll see is a lot greater use of assistive technologies. Excellent. Bingo. Wow. Long answer. Wow. It would have been longer if it was 100 years. That's very true. Right. What have I got in store for me? Well, excluding your laptop and phone, what is one thing you couldn't do your job without? So your laptop and phones are given and all the technology Mm -hmm. that comes within them. Yep. What is the other thing you couldn't do your job without? Good colleagues, I think, I would say. No no man or woman is an island. No, exactly. I think it's really important that you've got yourself surrounded by people that are grounding you and that are supporting you when you've had a difficult visit um, and you come back and you need to decompress. That's really, really important. Um, and I think with good colleagues comes with good managers that have your back and have give you good quality supervision um, and just look after you holistically and aren't just focused on the system pressures that we we deal with every day Um, and just colleagues that you get along with I mean we spend so many time so much time at work 
if you don't like your colleagues or you don't you're not happy at work you're not going to be an effective social worker so you've got to have those relationships you've Mm. got to be able to have a laugh about things that have absolutely nothing to do with social work and and have that bit of banter in the office or by office now virtual office sometimes (laughs) but you've still got to be able to have those connections I think that is the most important thing I would look for in in any job now um, making sure that I like my colleagues I like my manager um, and I'm in a good team would you rather have a colleague or a car I mean what okay let's let's change that one in what what would make your job if I said to you right I've got two jobs for you I've got Mm -hmm. two jobs lined up yep one you're allowed to use your car but you haven't got any colleagues two you cannot use your car but you've got five lovely colleagues um well as a manager i don't go out very much anymore so i can do all right if you're frontline if you're doing if you're frontline social work frontline social i mean you can't do it without a car can you that's what i was thinking i think i think methods of transport because obviously if if you work in an inner city area and you've got excellent transport links in fact in fact if you work in central london having a car is is hindrance yeah it's it's, it's, it's massive hindrance (laughs) because you can't park you'd spend twice as long as using the tube and and other public transport Mm. If you work as we do, which involves a lot of travelling, you know, not so yeah. much now when you're a manager, I, I I, couldn't, well, I don't really have colleagues now that I'm independent, but I, I just couldn't do my, my first, I'm answering that question. I shouldn't be yeah, allowed. You, no, I shouldn't be allowed. shush, right. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, oh God, you <laughs> carried away. Is there anything you take for granted in social work? Ooh. It's hard, to, it's hard to answer that for now because how do you know you take it for granted? You can't, yeah. right now, you can't, it's difficult to say because it's only when you look back retrospectively. Um, the first thing that comes to mind I'm going to go with this is I I took for granted the best social work team that I ever worked with. Yeah. Um, before, it was just before COVID, um, I worked in Sunderland. Uh, I was a senior social worker in Sunderland. And... I worked with the funniest, happiest, most supportive group of colleagues that I've ever had. You know, they were all amazing. Andrea, Rebecca, Anna, Louisa, Harry, and, you know, and and Emma. You know, they were, and and our manager, um, Angie, you know, that group was the best team. Everyone was great. We all had a good laugh. We went out. We socialised together. We spoke to each other in the WhatsApp groups. I'd never had a group of friends like that in social work before. That we literally every day. In fact, we were having too much of a laugh. Quite regularly, the manager would have to come in and tell us off. And sometimes they'd come up, I'd be up there like dancing around, doing oh something God, silly. Sure. Like you know, you are meant to be working, guys, but. We did work really well as well. We had each other's back. If anybody needed a visit, we'd go out with somebody. If anyone needed help, we'd help each other. And our work was excellent because, you know, I wouldn't say we worked hard, play hard. You know, we did go out the occasional night. Well, more than the occasional night out. But it wasn't like that vibe. It was just because going into work every day was a good laugh Mm -hmm. and a good vibe, the difficult times were made easier. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't really, at the time, I, I didn't really appreciate it. It's only when you look back, and in particular, because there was a stark contrast between having that, I left that job in the January 
and then I was in another job for a short. No, I left it around the December. I was in another job for only around three months, um, which is a very short-term job, until I went to another position where I was in for two years, where I became a manager, and that was during COVID. So I'd gone from essentially having an excellent group of colleagues that I still speak to to this day. I love the guys, to suddenly being in an office that I had a team, but I only saw them virtually, and that yeah. was what made me realise, and. I've never had a proper team again since then because it's always been hybrid work. And so that's what I would say. The one thing that I took for granted that I know, I mean, look, there could be many things I'm taking for granted now, such as life, such as life that, you know, you do enter. You don't always appreciate what you've got till it's gone. That's very true. But that's when I would say, when I look back, the first thing that comes to mind is I, you know, I work with the, the best group of colleagues that I've ever worked with in social work and I didn't tell them enough how much they meant to me. Yeah. Pow! That one didn't go that as didn't far. Get, no, that's fail. <laughs> Failure to launch. <laughs> if you had, oh, this is a good one. If you had to pick three famous dinner guests, who would you pick and why? So not really social work Are specific. Not social work specific. Yeah, oh, that's all it says. One of our listeners, just you know. I mean, I could, could have been, I could have shifted this and you, if you had, no, let's that, change this actually, let's make it social work specific. Again, listeners, you know, try a bit harder next time. <laughs> if you, I always, I usually ask for a review on the podcast, I'm a bit scared to ask for a review. Yeah, well, it was a bit, it was a bit, <laughs> a bit harsh mood. He said we were farcical, he said we should try harder. I'll try hard and give you a one star review, Captain. Um, if you had to pick three famous people to be social work colleagues of yours, <gasps> Who would you pick and why? Shoot, oh, so you can't they... have Brené Brown. No. I knew she would go for that. I knew. <laughs> you knew that'd be too I well. knew. I knew. <laughs> no Brené Brown. Right, so do these Vetoed. people... Do these people have to... I take it not social workers because there's no famous social workers. No, you just, like they just, just have to be good just... social workers. I'm not even good, just you want them around the office. You've got... Look, I'm saying to you... You know, it's like a, you know, a football team. You know, you've got the draft. You've got the social work draft. And who, which three people? Three famous people. Three you famous can't have people. me either. Oh, wow, that you'd be my first choice, obviously. After Brené Brown. <laughs> After Brené Brown, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no Brené. They're people. These, these can be people who are dead or alive, alive or. Okay. But they'd come back to life. You wouldn't be there with a... A, 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 a corpse. A, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that wouldn't be so fun. Sometimes it might be more effective than some social... At least they wouldn't, oh. wouldn't be trying to intentionally make problems for you. They'd be quiet. They would be quiet. I don't think they would get much work done. No, it's mm. not a bad thing. Just allocate them all the cases nobody else wants. That's <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Einstein's got it. <laughs> I wouldn't have Einstein. Um, right. No, so they... they if if they are a dent, if they are sadly they are deceased, dead. you get them back at the peak. Okay. Alive, right. fun- fully functional. Fully functional, right? I think my first one would be Michelle Obama. You know, I'm. I could have guessed that. I, 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 guess. I, I'm going to guess these. <laughs> you I'm going to write these down. And I could tell you guys what's coming. It would have been Brené Brown. It would have been Michelle Obama. Yeah, you you know me. Third you know one would be some obscure author of horror fiction that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Go. No, 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 no. Right, anyway, Michelle Obama, because she's just the most wonderful human being ever. Um, she'd be great to have a support. And she'd be very supportive, I think. Um, Lady Hale would be my next one. Um, so she was the president of the Supreme Court in the UK. She's retired now. Um, but she 
did the great famous Cheshire West ruling around deprivation of liberty. She almost wrote the Children Act 1989 uh, when she was in the law um, commissioner. Um, she just be, She's just so eloquent and just amazing. I love her. Um, and third one, I feel like I need a comedian or someone that's going to make people laugh. I think that's what social work needs. What's a good comedian? Um, my mind's gone blank now. I can't think of any comedians ever. <laughs> Drop Brené Brown instead. Uh, I mean, she would be good, but I think you still need someone funny. Someone like someone like Dawn French. Should French. be quite good. So we've got French, Bearden, Obama, Hale. Social Excellent. work dream team. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a hard question, actually. Put right. on the spot. Let's see if you. I've faced you. Let's see if you can face me. All right. Let's have a look. If you had to be a social worker in a different country, and language and registration weren't an issue, where would you like to practice? No, I'd go to America. Hundred percent. The land of the big sky. Bruce Springsteen. I just. I. I. I as a young boy, I used to believe in the American dream. Even though I lived in Cumbria, in rural Cumbria, this is this is the impact that American media kind of has on the consciousness mm. of people. Because when I was growing up, all my favorite things were America. Even though I'd never been to America, no. and you kind of—I don't know if you've ever felt this—but if you grew up on a diet of American '80s films, you almost become nostalgic for a time you've never had. Yes. Do so you get that yeah. feeling? Like American high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Love so to have I, gone yeah, to American yeah, yeah, high school. What I mean. so like, <laughs> You grow up because British culture, as I was growing up in the sort of 80s and 90s, it didn't seem as defined because you're bombarded by American culture. Mm-hmm. And you sort of grow up nostalgic for a time you've never had. And if I look at all, all like my favourite art is all American. My favourite author, John Steinbeck. My favourite musician, Bruce Springsteen. You know, the American consciousness is, is so entrenched in the whole of society, really, because it's so big and it's so... You know the, the the music industry, Hollywood, and it's such a land of opportunity, and that American dream spreads uh, across mm-hmm. the world. And you know the the one dream adventure that I would love to do, and I, and I hope I get to do, I would just like to get in a car and just travel across America. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Just, Road just, trip. just, yeah, just go and just do it. So I would love the idea to sort of do that and learn about social work in America. And in particular, because we have so many we have so many colleagues and friends who listen to us from mm-hmm. America and, you know, that have followed my work. And when I first started out, you know, writing about social work, you know, over eight years ago now, eight and a half years ago now, I started my first blog about social work. I didn't realise how it would resonate around the world. I just didn't. No. I had no idea whatsoever how it would resonate because I knew that these things mattered to me and I knew yep. the kind of conversations that you or I have not mattered to people like us. I had no frame of reference for American social work. And then, because of the nature of the internet, people contact me and like, oh, from, from Delaware. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe you feel the same way. Yeah, guys, we feel the same way. This is amazing. We like your memes. We like your content. We like the podcast. And it was like, I... I want to go out there and see what it's like. So hands down, I would, there wouldn't be, you know, uh, there would be no hesitation at all. That's, that's what I'd like to do. And, you know, to be honest, if I, if I didn't have children, I I would have done it already. Yeah. I would have just saved up. I would have gone out and I would have, you know, tried to find private practice and to see that. And that really is, you know, in terms of 
dreams of mine that are personal, that things that I want to do for myself and myself alone. I would love to go out there and experience what that life's like because it was a life that I dreamed of. Um, and all our American listeners are going to go... Really? Really? Why? Really? Why do you want that? <laughs> really? But, but I think it's... It, unless you've sort of grown up and been so influenced by films from another you'd kind of need to see that just to see if it is like that and i believe it will be i don't believe it's a dream that's going to be shattered because you know how can it be well our american audience might well they'll take take the places that i don't want to see but no (laughs) take me to the good places show me your best And then we go, oh, no, what, you want to be a social worker here? It's mad. We want to go and be a social worker in leafy Cumbria. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's wanting to see what it's like. So, yeah, yeah. I would uh, I would go and be a social worker in, uh, where would I want to be in America? California. Somewhere, oh. somewhere around Big yeah. Sur. Yeah. Nice weather. Better weather than here. Right. Dilly. Tell me a story about when you learnt a valuable lesson in social work that has stuck with you. What is a valuable lesson you've learned in social work? How did you learn that lesson? And how has it stuck with you to make you a better social worker and potentially a better person too? It's Shoot. not the, oh, the first thing that sprung to my mind and it's really not that deep. Never do Friday evening visits. <laughs> It'll make you laugh while you're mm. drinking. Um, True. So this happened to me, and I, I'll have to sort of skim over the, the details because to protect confidentiality, Don't get obviously. yourself in trouble. No, 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 no. Or me. Or you, no, no one. Um, so oh, probably about three months into my social work career, I was working in child protection team, um, and I popped in to see a young girl on my case, well, a teenage girl on my caseload just before I was, it was on my way home on mm. a Friday. And whilst I was at the visit, she disclosed that she was about to kill herself oh god um and i had a really it was uh, it was out of hours by that point mm. and i had a really difficult time trying to one i didn't really know what to do yeah yeah um, you knew you haven't got you I, haven't got the skills no exactly um and you're 21 at the time i was 21 yeah hard yeah and the people i was ringing to try and help so i rang at the out of hours team they weren't able to help ambulance service Jeez. didn't want to know police didn't want to know um, well, I wouldn't have wanted the police involved anyway. That's not not appropriate mental health service. Yeah. But there was no health professionals that could help. I was completely left on my own. I tried ringing my manager. I couldn't get through. I was trying to ring colleagues. I couldn't get through. Um, and it was just a really difficult situation. And I stayed with the girl for a huge part of the night. And in the end, I managed to get her to go around at a friend's house. And I spent the rest of that weekend until the Monday morning thinking I was going to come in on Monday and she would be no longer with us. And luckily she was all right. Her friends helped her through it. Um, But that was my first wake-up call, actually, that don't do a visit out of hours when you're that newly qualified Mm. and if you're not prepared to deal with whatever you're going to face with. So, But if not for you, where would she have been? She should probably be dead. And this, so this is the thing. So mm. this is what <laughs> you're telling me a lesson there about what not to do. But what I'm hearing is you did the right thing. I did, but it would the easier way would have been not to know. 
And it wouldn't yeah, be the not, right outcome. Yeah, this is what I mean, no. so... I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's not the best I mean, it's your example. answer. Hey, it's it your answer. But yeah, <laughs> now what I always instruct people, don't do Friday afternoon visits. Without support, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, fire away. Right. If you found yourself becoming a service user... Would you be confident in the service you would likely to be receiving? <laughs> wow, wow. So I've I've worked I've you know, been the social worker for a fair few social workers. Um, I, I do you know what? I don't know why, but managers and service managers have quite often specifically picked me to be the allocated social worker for professionals and for social workers when they come in to the system. I probably do know why, because of my level of experience and my, you know, once you get known for doing something well, then rightly so, rightly so, you know, I've never, I've never found difficulty in doing that because, um, because of this, and this is why it leads to the question, I would be exactly the same. You know, there are a lot of social workers I've worked with who, fail to understand that if that was their child they would be just as difficult in inverted comments that they label people difficult Mm. aggressive she's sending emails all the time i've had 15 phone calls there's this narrative that you know parents of children who are known to social workers can sometimes be very very difficult particularly if they come from a professional background yeah. And I always say to these people when they criticise them, and sometimes you know I kind of low key fall out with people, but I think it's the right thing to do. I say, mm-hmm. what would you? Well, how would you be then? How would you be if that was your child? Yeah. Would you use your professional expertise? Yeah, okay. Would you challenge things if the minutes were wrong? Yeah, I would. Would you get a bit upset if people weren't answering the phone? Yeah. Yeah. So well, where where's the problem? Exactly. So that that. That is, that's something we have to acknowledge that it's normal. Mm. I know why the pressure and stress comes in because it's very, very difficult if you've got 25 children on your caseload and you've got a parent that perhaps is acting in a way that makes Mm. it look like your time's being monopolised. And I get that. That isn't the parent's problem. The parents are seeking the best outcome for them and their children. Of course they are. Which you would criticise them if they weren't. Yeah. You would criticise them if they weren't. So, if I had involvement with my children, then yeah, I would. Uh, I would have high standards and I would worry those standards wouldn't be met. But I think the difference that I would take in is in what sometimes does happen with people in that situation. I wouldn't blame the social worker. I would know the social worker was doing all they could. And I'd be very mindful that you've got to work with people, not against yes. them. Because yeah. if you get the wrong social worker who can't see past your frustration mm-hmm. and can't see the human behind that, they will label you as difficult, aggressive, hard to manage. When you've got those labels from a professional and they're also on your file, then God forbid there's a red warning symbol put against your record, yeah. that'll stick forever. Of course it will. So that, that, I think that's what I would do is I, I, I would, you know... I would have high expectations. I would feel somewhat disappointed and let down potentially. And um, I would hopefully come into it with an ethos of wanting to work with someone and understand because that's how that collaboration is how you get good results. Yeah. Right. Um, let's do this as the last question then. Because, yeah, you started by asking me. So I'll finish by okay. asking you. Right. Oh, we might squeeze another in. Oh, I've got two here. 
Oh, no, it's one. It's, one. it's a long one. Oh, God. right, okay. I thought there was two there, but it was just an extra long one. <laughs> Felt like two. What do you love... Oh, this is a good way to end. What do you love about being a social worker? And how are those things different from the things that attracted you to the profession? So, what did you think you... We'll flip this the other way around. What did you think you would love about being a social worker before you became one? And what do you really love about being one now you've been one for eight years? Oh, that is a really long question. I might need to have that back. Don't <laughs> flick it off yet. <laughs> um, what I thought I would love about being the so social worker. Yeah, when you I, came into social I, work, I, what did you think you would love? I thought I could come in and change the world. Um, and actually, I've realised that you, you just change one thing at a time. You change your own world. You change your own world, but yeah, you're not going to be making huge waves and actually making a difference in one person's life is equally as fulfilling as changing mm. multiple people's lives. So that's what I was kind of thinking when I came in. Um, but what I... Uh, my favourite parts of my job now, um, well, there's different parts, but going out and seeing people and hearing about their stories. Yeah. So... Um, Obviously, I work a lot with elderly people, um, often people that are, are in the later stages of life, mm. and hearing some of their most incredible stories. I work with people that have been famous in their various fields um, that have now come like me. towards... You're talking oh. about... Oh, no. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. All right, pipe Check down. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. But... Just people are so fascinating uh, and, and hearing just people's stories is, is what gets me through the day. Because um, yeah. you never know what someone's going to reveal to you. Um, and then part of what I love now being a manager is helping people get through those difficult um, dilemmas and, and case discussions and trying to help people find a way forward. Because yeah. I think... A lot of people overcomplicate things. I'm a, I'm a, I'm quite a laid back kind of person. So I just try and get people to be grounded, to go back to your legislation, go back to your theories, your knowledge, your your basic building blocks, and go from there. People get pulled into all sorts of dramas. Um, so I love that side of it as well, and just being able to help people find a clear pathway through. Um, but yeah, I, so, I suppose the, the hearing people's stories part, I was kind of expecting. Yeah, uh, but not maybe the impact that would have on you, not no, the extent. No, I don't think... I mean, I admit when I came into social work, I thought I'd work with children. Um, yeah. and, and you did for uh, a year. And I did. Um, I didn't ever really think about what adult social work was. But when I realised that actually I can work with older people, yeah, yeah, people yeah. with disabilities, yeah. it's just... It's a different... It's very different to children's social work. Um, this is all about helping people to help them. Well, I suppose that's the same, helping people to help themselves, mm. but um, just getting involved in their lives and supporting them to find the way through, which, again, is the same as children's services, but it's yeah. a different frame. Different it's a different mindset. relationship, it, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. more doing with than doing to. Yeah, people are referring themselves yeah, to yeah, adult exactly. services yeah, exactly. um, not... a lot of the time. They're asking for help rather than children's. It's often coming through a safeguarding. And, and that's why often in children it can feel like doing too, because if yeah. people don't ask for them, not for us, we obviously, coming out from children's, you know, we um, 
we are trying our best to work with. But if it's a yeah. prescriptive service you haven't asked for, it's very, very different to exactly. if you welcome it with open arms, which yeah. most of yours probably will. Yeah, I mean, not always, but um, more yeah. than in my more than life. more than in your role, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, what a positive way to end. Um, well, listeners, thank you ever so much for your questions. My apologies for saying uh, one was farcical and the other. Well, then again, it was, and you should have tried harder. Oh, no, Vince. that's just some feedback. Don't don't. Don't hate on our listeners. I'm not hating on them. No. I'm not hating on them. Or criticising. Not criticising, just feedback. Feedback would be the value. Constructive, <laughs> constructive yeah, feedback. Yeah, constructive feedback. <laughs> so so, I mean, we've gone from hating to criticism to constructive feedback. It's always thinking the worst. Yeah, well, what can I say? Nothing you can say. Nothing I can say. Well, listeners, thank you ever so much. Um, We will be back uh, with another one of these. I like these bonus podcasts that we just, you know, throw in there every now and again. It's been a pleasure. Um, If you'd like this podcast, as always, do leave a review, leave a comment. It'll be on YouTube, so you can leave a YouTube comment. I'll give it an old thumbs up. But if you're listening to it on the uh, traditional audio format, do consider leaving a review. And you can also find us at mysocialworknews.com you can hear more of Tilly's musings and read more of our writing on there. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.